1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. So we're talking the numbers for April. How was it? April was phenomenal across the real estate board. Now, we had talked about York Region specifically last week and how it was up 25 to 30% for the month of April. Well, when you're looking at the entire GTA, we were up 16.8% over last April. So how many homes sold are we talking? 9,042 homes sold as opposed to 7,744 last April. And so that's a that's a big jump. It's bigger than you expected, right? It really is. And, and that shows how sales had been going over the last year or so. I mean, we had a very quiet year last year in 2018. So you knew there was a lot of pent-up demand and people were just waiting to get off of the fence. What we saw is even even the shift between March and April was huge. And when you're looking at these shifts. People were just tired of waiting. Interest rates remain steady. Everyone's used to the stress test now. It's it's just uh, part of doing business in when you're purchasing a house. And you get that consumer confidence back in, and this is what happens. And inventory continues to, to decline. What you're also seeing is an increase in price now. Okay. Now, was there a type of property that dominated the market in, uh, in April? There was. Now, what we were seeing was that the condos, townhouses, semis dominating over the last 12 months to 15 months. Yeah, those those prices have really gone up. They have, but for April, detached made a huge comeback. Detached homes pretty much dominated the sales, especially in York region. If you're looking at places like Markham, detached were up huge and price continues to climb on detached as well. And you said inventory is down and that always means... Multiple offers, yes. bidding wars, and we're starting to see that right across the board now. It started off with, you know, the townhouses and semis getting multiple offers, but now you're starting to see that even with detached, even with condos, and even with leases. Even with leases. So that means that the rental market is uh, is also fairly tight. The rental market is strong. Uh, this is what's forcing investors to get back into the market as well because they see how strong the rental market is. And now you've got investors using the equity in their house. So even if they're not moving up or anything like that, they're relying on the equity in their house to purchase investment properties and they're getting back into the game. What other numbers do you want to highlight for the month of April? Days on market. So days on market has dropped. It's about 19 days across the GTA. And in York region, we're looking at 23 days as an average days on market for you to be able to sell your house. The other thing is we were selling properties for about 96% of asking. Now with the multiple offers and everything, you're looking at about 98% on average. And in most areas, you're looking at over 100% as the average asking price. Okay, so what are you saying then to our listeners in terms of whether they're buying or selling? What's what's the message? Well, over the last three months, remember we've been saying that window is closing. If you're a buyer, you need to get into the market. Well, that window is almost shut. So you need to make sure that you make that decision and get out there and purchase your house quick. Because in another month, in another two or three weeks, 
everything's going to be multiple offers and you're going to be paying 102, 103, 104% of asking price. And that's going to put you, it's going to take away from your buying power. So you, if you want to capitalize on the buying power that you have, get out there, get a house, you'll probably pay asking for it, maybe a little bit more, but it's going to be less than what you'll pay in a month or two. Now, we've heard anecdotally that Folks are also concerned about the market. You know, are things starting? Are they going to slow down? Are we going to head into a recession maybe later this year? What do you say to folks who have that on the mind? You know, it's funny in our... uh meeting this week, we were talking about what sales were like over the last few years. And 10 years ago, if you just went back to 2008, do you know what the average price was for the GTA? No. $379,347. And if you look at what the average price is right now, $791,857. So, don't worry about the market crashing. Real estate trends up, and it has been for years. It's the safest investment out there. You want to invest in a home. You can't live in your mutual fund, as our co-founder and, and president says. It's it's just a phenomenal investment, and you can't worry about what's going to happen in the short term. You know, if if you buy a house and house values drop $50,000 or $100,000, you're not going to sell your house. You're going to keep it. And over time, your investment is going to grow. And that's how you have to look at real estate. So, you know, it's not a stock where it could go down and you're going to be out money. It's it's a solid investment. You're going to keep it. It's a long-term investment. And what you see is your money could double over the, over the next 10 years, just like it did over the last 10 years. Do you realistically see that happening? Because what about those that say that the market currently is inflated, that that's not realistic what's happening there? What's realistic is, you know, what it was like 10 years ago, as you quoted. What's realistic is that we need at least 100,000 homes sold. With all the people coming in, with all the pent-up demand that we have, we need between 90 and 100,000 homes to be sold. The reality is last year, we sold 77,000 homes, which was the lowest since back in the, uh, you know, 2008, 2009 days. So there's a lot of pent up demand and those people are going to jump into the market. You've got the normal number of people jumping into the market. This is a rebound year. We already had the year that nobody wanted in real estate, which was last year. And now you're starting to see it trend upwards. The best way to judge it is with inventory because it's all about supply and demand. So when you have inventory coming down, you have demand spiking, you've got that imbalance again and you've got prices ready to climb. Okay, time for our first break here on On the Market. When we come back, does instant gratification in mortgage apps set you up for future disappointment? Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us now is Asif Kasim from the Integrity Tree. Asif, welcome back. Good Thanks. morning, Asif. Good morning. How are you guys? Asif, as the saying goes, there's an app for that. But what we're talking about is sometimes the apps don't really do 
the situation justice. Let's talk about mortgage apps. Mortgage apps, it is uh, the latest craze right now. And it's so frustrating for mortgage professionals who are in the industry because the mortgage app is is it's marketed as the be all and end all you can you can log in you can get a quick 60 second approval and go on your way and buy a home the truth of the matter is unless you are 100% a cookie cutter transaction that doesn't apply to the majority of clientele out there. Yeah, how many cookie cutter transactions are there? Oh, I can't remember the last time I had one. And how do you remove that human element that is you're able to go through and and determine the intricacies of of the mortgage application itself and you know my family has medical clinics and when we think about all of the apps that are out there that will diagnose you with different diseases or, or, you know, you go into a doctor and it's totally different because they're asking you what else is going on. And that's what it takes to get you a proper diagnosis instead of just going to an app and assuming that things are okay or not okay. So you need a mortgage specialist to uh, sort of give you the big picture and the detailed picture, right? I, I would agree 100%. I think it's more than just a uh a mortgage specialist, someone who's actually focused in that area. When I say mortgage specialist, some people go into the banks and they go to the branches. And when they go to the branches, they get someone who's a very generalist type of person. So even I just recently had a situation just like that. And a realtor called me and said uh, the client went to the branch and they were pre-approved 100% to go and get a property. They went firm, have everything clo- uh, closing in 15 days, and then the bank said, sorry, we can't help you. We didn't ask all the right questions. Yikes. Yeah. And with these apps, these apps are great because everyone's looking for instant gratification these days. And when, when you have something that says, hey, we're going to approve you in two minutes or we're going to approve you in five minutes, people want that. They want to know the answer right away. And that's this day and age. This is what we're all used to. We're on our smartphones. We want, you know, 140 characters or we want one minute video clips. That's what these apps are geared towards. But does that set people up for failure in the long term? I, I believe it does. I, if I'm in a bank, I'm thinking this is more of a way of collecting people. Get on the app, you have to fill out certain information, and it gives me the opportunity as the bank to pick up the phone and contact you and say, hey, thanks for using our app, let's talk about it a little further. But the the guys of saying you can get it approved in 60 seconds, sure, I'll give you an approval, it's not worth much though. Right. So what did you do? You said you had a client that came to you and said, yeah, I had this pre-approval on an app and it didn't come through and I'm closing in 15 days. What do I do? What did you do for them? So with that client, we actually, we had solutions for them. It wasn't, they were self-employed clients. They didn't necessarily fit within a banking industry. So we had other solutions outside of the bank, but within about 10 seconds of that conversation, I knew this was not a bank deal to begin with. So how could that bank say yes? And a lot of these pre-approvals are conditional and people fail to realize that a pre-approval that you're getting online is conditional because they still need to see certain documents. You still need to prove certain things like income, employment, and that's what you get when you have the human element involved. You're getting all of these questions asked. You're able to provide all these reports and you're getting a firm approval, whereas on these mortgage apps and online applications, all you're doing is you're getting a conditional application. So if people 
mistake that and go into a realtor's office and say, I'm pre-approved, let's go firm. That's where you have the disconnect. And that's probably the situation that Asif was faced with. Oh, for sure. I would caution all realtors out there to, when a client comes to you and says, I'm pre-approved, I would caution you to ask them, did they check your credit? Did they verify your income? Did they verify your down payment? Not just did they ask you the right questions. Did they actually look at your documentation? Because that is the difference between is it really going to work or not? And also with with these uh, apps, first of all, do you have an app? And uh, and secondly, how w- how would you position this? What's the disclaimer that needs to go out to people to say, great, you know, take a look at the app. It'll kind of give you a. a you know, a, a big picture scenario, but it's not the be all and end all. You still need to come in. How do you qualify that uh, the the actual app application? Well, the beauty of um, what we do is that most of our clientele they know that you can't erase the human element out of this. So it's great for a little bit of guidance. It gives you some numbers to play with, but it's they know that they still need to ask more questions. Uh, we don't have an app. Actually, there was a point in time where we thought of doing an app, and we realized, what would that do? All it would do is create more confusion because the app might say one thing, and then we have to say another. So it's easier just to say, let's run the numbers for you. Let's actually look at everything. Uh, an app could steer you in the wrong direction. Now, you know, do we place this all or is the responsibility all on the um, the buyer here or does the agent have some responsibility? Because again, if I've got a client and they're telling me that I've been pre-approved, isn't the onus on me as an agent to say, okay, let me see that approval. What does it look like? What does it include? I think the question that uh, agents need to ask nowadays is, where did you get this pre-approval? Okay. Because there's no letter or anything that they actually bring in to say they're pre-approved. It's it's usually a verbal pre-approval or the bank has uh, you know maybe given it to them online, but there's no actual letter that banks will put in to say you're pre-approved. If it's a firm pre-approval, then you know maybe you have something in writing, but 95% to 99% of pre-approvals are not written. So we usually do have to as agents, we have to take the client's word for it because you can't sit there and say, "Oh yeah, well, prove it." Because that's not uh, you know, fair to the client as well. So the due diligence part that you know we should be asking: Where did you get this? Was this uh, an online pre-approval? Did you actually go in and meet with somebody? And secondly, it's up to the buyer to make sure that what they are you know relaying to agents or, or you know putting into offers in terms of a, a firm offer that they're protected because if they go in in a firm offer. They're waiving all their rights to the protection that a, a, a condition would have in terms of financing. Okay. Now, in terms of those, you know, um, quickie apps that you can get and get that pre-approval, what kind of information is there, Asif? And what kind of information then comes out of the one-on-one conversation that you're suggesting folks should have instead? Well, an app would have something of basically, what is your purchase price? What is your income level? Um, How much debts do you have? It's very calculation-driven, and it doesn't start delving into the type of career that you have. Are you self-employed? Are you commissioned? Are you hourly? There are a variety of things that it's not taken into account. Um, In addition to that, you're, you're talking about credit. How does somebody on an application say my credit's good, bad, or ugly? 
You, you, you really don't have a way of really depicting that because that'll dictate are you approved through the bank or not. So on, on our process, it's very detailed conversation. Uh, up front, I'm very much asking as much as I can. It's all about data collection up front. And if you get it done up front, then you pretty successful chance of closing that transaction. If it's not done correctly up front, it could fall apart in the 11th hour. And we've been talking a lot about pre-approvals that people have been approved on with the use of online tools or apps. But there's also a huge segment of the population that has been declined by using these apps. And the reason is they may not have inputted the correct information. There may be other solutions for them. Maybe they don't fit into that box, but there are other boxes for them. So that's a whole new ballgame as well, because someone may be turned off from buying a house, but they can actually afford a house. Well, the truth is when somebody goes online, they're putting in information based on their knowledge and their perspective. And the reality is most consumers, they don't really understand the mortgage industry and they don't understand finance. That's a whole other topic, but they don't understand numbers. So when they're filling something out, it's based on their level of understanding. So, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And then they think, hey, I don't qualify. But the reality is they probably do. Right. And so I guess you could also help them if they don't qualify. You could probably help them budget so that they can get there. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of coaching involved. There's a, I can't, we can't do this right away, but in six months we can, and this is how. Okay, and that's encouraging. And and there's also other ways that a broker would be able to help you out because there's B lenders, secondary financing, there's private lending. So even though you don't qualify for what the app is trying to qualify you for, there's other solutions that you can look at. So don't be turned off by having, you know, an approval come back or, or uh, you know, being declined on the app because there are other solutions. You may have to pay a little bit of higher interest rate. You may have to change your amortization, but you could qualify. And depending on the circumstance, this is where working with a broker is very important because we think outside the box. We think, okay, so what about getting a co-signer? Or what if we utilized equity from your parents' home? Or what if we leveraged one of your other properties? There are so many different scenarios that we have to think of. And, you know, if we pay down that car payment, all of a sudden you qualify. So how do we pay down the car payment? And we have different solutions. But you're not getting that from an app. And Asif, just remind our listeners, what's an A lender, a B lender? What are those options that they have out there? A lending is always has always been compared to going to a bank. Okay. Uh, a lending is you're going to get the lowest rates, you have great credit, verifiable income. B lending is alternative, the alternative space, and that's a scenario where maybe your income isn't as verifiable or you have some bruised credit. And then the private space is no credit, no income, uh, the ratios, number, nothing works. So here you're lending on the property itself and the rates are significantly higher. Okay. Awesome. Great information. Now, if uh, listeners want more information or they want to fill out an application with you in person, how did they get a hold of you? Uh, They can contact me through www.integritytree.ca. Thank you, Asif. We'll talk to you again next month. Thanks. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him. 
416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Or email awesome at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. Asif, you all set? I am. The first one comes from Stacy in Thornhill. She noticed a trend in her area that when those for sale signs go up, there's also a sign that says, coming soon. Why do sellers and agents do this? Is it to increase interest and create a bidding war? Great question, Stacey. And, and it's for both. It's to create exposure for this potential listing that's coming up. It's to create demand because now you've got a pool of prospective purchasers that want to be first in line to see this property. And yeah, in turn, that could create a bidding war. So as a seller, you want people to know, especially if there's other homes for sale on your street, you want other people to know, the buyers to know that, hey, hold on, you may want to see my house. It's coming up. I'm just getting it ready. So people will hold off on buying other properties on the street because they know another property is coming up. They may not know what price it's going to be offered at. They don't know what's inside, but they know that it's coming. And how long is that coming soon period usually? Usually you you tend to see it for three or four days, sometimes a week, and other people get really excited and put it on for about a month because there may be some major stuff to do. Wow! Uh, It depends on what time of the market it is as well because you want to be able to move your house as quickly as possible. So if you can create some demand, have people waiting for it to come on, and then you launch it, you may sell it in the first day or two. Now, is that coming soon signage just on the lawn sign, or is it advertised online somewhere as well? It could be advertised online, and people will put it on their websites, they'll put it on their web pages, you'll see a lot of it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So the more exposure you get for a house, I mean, a realtor's job is to create exposure and bring in as much traffic as possible. So they will pay to have that advertised everywhere, and you can tell a good realtor is promoting their listings that are coming soon because that's helping them sell their properties quicker and for more value for their clients. Our next question comes from James in Markham. A home was recently sold on his street, and it now appears to be that the property is being used as an Airbnb with lots of activity, people going in and out at all hours. Is there anything he can do about this disruption to his usually quiet street? Will this decrease his property value? Excellent question, James. And this is a really hot topic nowadays, especially in in Toronto, in York Region as well. There's a lot of different things uh, in this question and also with this situation with Airbnb because a lot of the homes are sold, the condos are sold to be single-family residential units. Once you start having short-term rentals, you've got multiple families coming through and this almost disqualifies you from the, the zoning specifications because now you've almost made it a commercial property. So there's you should talk to your municipality find out what their rules and regulations are, and the homeowner could be in trouble. With condos, we've heard reports of condo owners being forced out of their units because they've turned them into Airbnbs. The police are cracking down on Airbnbs, and there's a lot of stuff happening with this right now. We'll have more clarifications soon from different municipalities because they're all working on Airbnb rules. But the biggest thing is when people purchase their properties, these properties are zoned single-family residential. 
So if you've got multiple families living in them and, and going through on a short-term basis, you've pretty much gone against the zoning and that becomes an issue. So your first step then for, or first piece of advice for James then would be check with your local counselor. Exactly. Give give the town a call or the city a call, and they'll be able to guide you on your next steps. Great advice as usual. Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how do they do that? They can call me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. And just before we go, this week's hot listing joining us next is Heather Cooper from REMAX Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thanks, Tina. This week's hot listing is located on one of the prestigious Sur Streets in a beautiful, mature area of Markham. This gorgeous four-level backsplay offers three bedrooms, three bathrooms, a beautiful renovated kitchen, huge windows. There's lots of natural light coming in, but best of all is the huge yard. This lot is 50 by 120. It's got lots of parking in the driveway, and it's in a beautiful area of Markham. Asif, what do you think of this property? Great little pocket of Markham. Markham Village is an area where, so I grew up in Markham, and there's a lot of my friends and and people that I knew that are moving back there. So now they've they've moved out, they've lived in their condos downtown, now they've got families and they're moving back to Markham Village. That's where they want to be. A lot of these houses have been renovated. It's a great area. Great schools right around there. Markham District High is around the corner. Arenas, libraries, you've got everything. That sounds fantastic. Heather, one more time, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. It's a beautiful four-level back split. You've got three bedrooms, three bathrooms. The address is 25 Sir Bodwin Place. The price on this one is $878,000. For more information, they can contact Susan Taylor at 905-554-5522. Thanks, Heather. Thanks. Asif, that's our show for this week. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.